we hear a lot these days about cancel culture. And cancel culture is when you drop someone from an endorsement or you fire someone or you block them from social media or you discontinue their products or you remove all their content from TV or uh, you've stop giving them a platform because of something that they have said or something that they have done or something that they believe. And this has happened to people and by people from all sides of the political spectrum. I'll give you some examples that have happened in recent days. There was a well-known movie studio who discovered some inappropriate social media posts from one of their directors that was going to be producing a movie for them in the future. And so they fired him, and they, they said he would no longer be able to produce any movies for them in the future. There was a, an actor slash comedian that was supposed to host a, a, an award show. And they went back several years in some of the posts that he had made in, in his social media and said that the, the things that he had posted were deemed inappropriate. And this actor came out and said, well, you know, my views have changed on this subject over time. And still they said he was fired from hosting the award show. We've seen authors, politicians, different public figures who have been canceled because of things that they have said or things that they have written many years ago. Just this past week, there was a top 10 finalist on a very popular television show that was removed from the show because of a social media post that he was, a video that he was in from several years ago. In our passage this morning, we've been studying on Sunday mornings through the book of Galatians in a series called No Other Gospel. And the occasion for this letter is that there was a group of Judaizers who had come to the churches in Galatia. And they said to them, it's really great that you believe in Jesus. It's great that you've trusted him for salvation. But if you want to really be a Christian, you have to believe in Jesus, but you also have to keep the law. You have to do all these other things. You have to do the dietary laws. You have to observe the festivals and the holidays. You have to be circumcised, was one of their main contentions, in order to truly be the people of God. And Paul has been combating this teaching all throughout the letter to the Galatians, saying that we don't add anything to the gospel. We don't add anything to faith. We are saved by grace alone, uh, by faith alone, in Jesus alone. And so he says, anything that we add to this is not the gospel. But these Judaizers who had come in, they were part of this sort of cancel culture. They were saying to these Galatians, it's great that you trust in Jesus, but if you don't do this, you're canceled. You don't count. Now, although we may despise this sort of cancel culture, it's right in that all of us have a past. It acknowledges that all of us have a past. Russell Moore is the president of our Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission with the Southern Baptist Convention. And he had a a, a tweet that was made about him by, uh, by a political figure. And in this tweet it said that Russell Moore is truly a terrible representative of evangelicals and all the good that they stand for. He's a nasty guy with no heart. 
And so Russell Moore was on a television show, Meet the Press Daily, and this is what he said. We sing worse things about ourselves in our hymns on Sunday mornings. I am a nasty guy with no heart, which is why I need forgiveness of sins and redemption through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when we look at this law that that the Judaizers were trying to place on top of the gospel for these Galatians, God's law hasn't changed. We all do have sinful natures, and cancel culture has pointed out a biblical truth. That if we go deep enough into your past or your past or your past or my past, we're going to find some ungodly dirt there. But the gospel is different. It offers us something that the world and our culture can't comprehend, and that is redemption. That we're not part of the cancel culture, that we're part of the redemption culture. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I ask you to turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Stand with me in honor of God's word if you are able. We're going to read from Galatians chapter 5 beginning in verse 1. The word of God says, For freedom Christ set us free. So stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Take note, I, Paul, am telling you that if you get yourself circumcised... Christ will not benefit you at all. Again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to do the entire law. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. For we eagerly await through the Spirit by faith the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. Thank you. You may be seated. Today I want us to examine the freedom that we have in the gospel in contrast with this cancel culture. So the first thing that I want us to to note in our passage today is a canceled connection. And what Paul says here to these Galatians is, if you believe these Judaizers then you're going to have canceled connections in your life. Chapter 5 here is a turning point as we've been working through the book of Galatians. In the first two chapters, Paul was defending his apostleship to the church at Galatia. He was defending the work and the ministry that he had done among them as these Judaizers were trying to come in and cast aspersions at Paul. Then when you get to chapters 3 and 4, Paul confronts this false gospel that they had presented to the church there. And he says to them that justification is by faith alone in Christ alone. You need not add works of the law on top of faith in order to be saved. And so now when he gets to chapter 5, and in these final two chapters, he's explaining what it means for someone who has died to the law to live by faith. He says, what does that look like for us? And there's a major theme that he introduces here in these verses, and that is the theme of freedom. He says there's freedom for us. There's freedom from our old life of sin. Before we are forgiven by Christ, we are in bondage to our sin. 
In Romans chapter 8, in the first two verses, Paul says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. So when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the debt for our sin. When he rose from the dead, he put death to death. He crushed the head of the serpent and he overcame sin for us. So that sin that has ensnared us no longer has power over you if you are in Christ Jesus. Those chains are broken, the Bible says, and now there's freedom. Those temptations can be overcome. Those addictions can be broken. Those strongholds can be torn down because you're now a new creature in Christ. You're no longer a slave. He says you're a free man. Your heart has been changed. You've been my word. You really are my disciples. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they said, but we're descendants of Abraham, they answered him, and we've never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you'll become free? Jesus responded, truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave doesn't remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. They said, listen, we're descendants of Abraham. That's the same argument that these Judaizers were making to the church here in Galatia. We're descendants of Abraham. What do you mean we're enslaved? He says, you're enslaved to the sin in your life. But I have come that you may have new life. I have come to set you free from sin. And now you are free to follow after me. The Puritan writer Thomas Watson says, to serve God, to love God, to enjoy God is the sweetest freedom in the world. Is that we're set free to follow Christ. We're no longer bound by our, our flesh, by our desires, by our impulses, by our temptations. We are set free in Christ. But he says, but if you follow the teaching of these Judaizers, you're canceling that connection. You have canceled your connection with God. In verse 4 of our passage, he says, you who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. He says, if you're going to try and to follow this false gospel that they're teaching, this gospel of faith plus works, he says it's going to alienate you from Christ. You're going to be canceled in that connection with God. In fact, he says you're going you're to have fallen from grace. Now, that's a phrase many times today that we use to describe losing somebody's salvation. Now, we know that the Bible is very clear that you can't lose your salvation. What Paul means is that if you're trying to be justified by the law, that you're trusting in a false gospel, and you are never really saved to begin with because you didn't understand God's grace that comes to us by faith. And although you think that you're growing closer to God by becoming circumcised, he says you're actually pushing yourself further away from God. He uses a Greek word here, uh, the Greek word katergain, which is translated as alienated in the passage. It literally means cut off. And so he says, if you're trying to be justified by the law, you are cut off from Christ. 
And so Paul is using a clever wordplay here to say that circumcision for these Gentiles would cut them off from trusting in Christ by faith. He says anything that you add to the gospel means that the gospel's not enough. Anything that you add to the gospel nullifies the gospel. It makes the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ superfluous. And so instead of canceling our connection to God by trusting in this false gospel, this faith plus works, he says that we are to draw near to God in Christ. And so if you're going to believe what these Judaizers are telling you, he says you're going to have a canceled connection with God, but you're also going to cancel your connection with other people. In verse 1, he says, for freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. And so he's saying to these Galatians, you're free, brothers and sisters. So don't become a slave again. He says, you're free. You are part of the family of God. You are heirs in the kingdom of God. And this family of God is comprised of Jews and of Greeks, of slaves and of free men, of males and of females. It is every tribe and tongue and nation who are found in Christ. But what these Judaizers are saying is you don't belong in the family because you're not Jewish enough. And so they were trying to cancel the Galatians because they weren't doing what they thought they ought to do. And so he says, when you submit to these Judaizers and to what they're teaching you, you are canceling the connection that we have together in Christ. Because our connection in Christ is not about uniformity, it's about unity under our Savior. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. If you'll turn over to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2 and verse 11. He says, so then, remember at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh. You were called the uncircumcised by those who were called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time you were without Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship of Israel. You were foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Because he's our peace who made both of these groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh he made of no effect the law that was consisting of commands and expressed in regulations. So that he would create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. He did this so that he would reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and he proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of God's household that's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, and in him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. He says to this group, listen, this is what you used to be, but because of Jesus, 
You're now part of the family. You're now part of the household. You're part of the kingdom. And so that means that I don't say to my Chinese brother, you don't belong because your church building doesn't look like mine. It means that I don't say to uh, my Mexican brother that you don't belong because you sing different songs than we sing. It means that I don't say to my Zambian brother that you don't belong because you dress for church differently than I do. Instead of canceling our connection to others, what Paul says here is that we are united in Christ as one family, one household, one kingdom under God. The second thing that we see in our passage is a canceled debt. He says, if you're going to believe these Judaizers, you're going to have canceled connections. Canceled connections with God, canceled connections with one another. But he says, if you'll believe the gospel, you'll have canceled debt. See, this cancel culture is so terrible because there's no redemption in it. He says that if you have done one thing wrong, then you're blacklisted. If you said one thing wrong 10 years ago, you're done. It's the same thing with this law. It condemns us because of our sin. In verse 3, what Paul says to them is, I testify to you that every man who gets himself circumcised, he's obligated to do the entire law. He says, if if you're going to say that the law is your means of salvation, then you better be really good at doing the law. You better get it right. You better do it perfectly because if you get it wrong, the law condemns you in your sin. And so pointing out the problem is not helpful unless there's a solution. And so when we try to make the law our validation before God, we're going to come up short. But if we do as Paul says and understand that the law was a guardian that was instructing us and pointing us to Jesus, who was our Savior, who is the means of our salvation, then we can have hope. That although we're canceled by our sin, we can be redeemed by Jesus. And we're not done forever. We're, we can have new life in Christ. Because Christ doesn't cancel you, Christ restores you. Christ cancels your debt. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, that's the exact word picture that Paul uses. He says that he erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us. And he's taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He says that all of us have been canceled. All of us have this certificate of debt that we owe because all of us have sinned against God. But Christ took that that certificate and he nailed it to the cross and he said it's paid in full. That's the beauty of what Jesus did on that Good Friday and on that Easter Sunday morning. Now, when we think about this cancel culture, we just inside just... It grates us. We just don't like it. Because we know that at any point it could turn on us. (laughs) Because we're all guilty as well, right? And sometimes it points out silly things. But sometimes they're pointing out really bad things that people have done. I mean, it's not okay to make sexist comments. It's not okay to make racist remarks. It's not okay to sin. 
And so on one end of the spectrum, cancel culture says, you have, you have done this thing wrong and you are done forever. And on the other end of the spectrum is, listen, it's no big deal. Don't pay any attention to it. It's all okay. Just sweep it out under the rug. But in the middle, God acknowledges our sin, but he also does something about it. God doesn't ignore our offense. He pays for it. You see, in verse 5, he says, We eagerly await through the Spirit, by faith, the hope of righteousness. Of righteousness. Even though we've done wrong, even though we've sinned against God, even though we know that we're sinful men and women, he says we have the hope of righteousness because of Jesus. Jesus pays the debt for all of our wrongdoing. And that's because God doesn't gloss over our sin. It was costly. It cost the life of the Son of God. And so he tells us in the word to confess our sin to God. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we will confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so what Jesus does is he doesn't gloss over, he doesn't, he doesn't ignore it, he pays for it in full. He stands in our place on the cross and now he lives as our redeemer. He forgives you, he restores you, he redeems you if you trust in him by faith as your savior. He raises you to new life and he cancels your sin forevermore. He gives us his spirit to walk with him by faith. And as we wait that final judgment where we'll all stand before God in judgment, because we're in Christ, we won't be canceled. He says we have the hope of righteousness. We're set free from our sin debt because of Jesus. And so we have canceled debt in our relationship with God, but just as before, there's a horizontal component to this as well. We have to cancel the debt of other sin. Peter Marshall said, May we think of freedom not as the right to do as we please, but as the opportunity to do what's right. In verse 6, this is what Paul says. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. But what matters... When somebody says what matters, that's when you need to pay attention, okay? He says what matters is faith working through love. He says what's important for us is living out our faith, loving others as Christ loved us. Jesus tells a story back in Matthew chapter 18. It's called the parable of the unforgiving servant. And in this story, they're trying to figure out how, how, how much are we supposed to forgive? I mean, are we supposed to give somebody seven whole times for something? And Jesus is like, no, you should do it 70 times, seven whole times. And then he tells them this story. He says it's like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And there's this man who owes him 10,000 talents. And when you see that phrase 10,000 talents there in the scripture, it basically means he owed him an insurmountable amount of money. I and mean, this is like, 
this is like imaginary monopoly money. This is like our national debt, okay? It's like imaginary, uh, outrageous money that you can't even get your mind around, 10,000 talents. He says, this is what he owes him. And so he, he says that he doesn't have the money, and so he was going to command that he, 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 his wife, his children, everything he had be sold to pay the debt. So the servant falls down before him. He says, be patient with me. I'll pay you everything. And so the master had compassion. He released him. He forgave him the loan. I mean, this is this insurmountable, you can't even fathom sort of debt. He, he wipes it clean. And so then this guy who had just received this tremendous gift says that he goes out, he finds another servant that owed him a hundred denarii. And so a, a denarius was basically a day's wage in those times. And so he owes him about, you know, three months worth of work is what he owes him. And he grabs him, he starts choking him. He says, pay what you owe. At this, the fellow servant falls down, begins begging him. He uses literally the exact same words that this man had just said to the other guy. He says, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. And instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. And so all the other servants saw what took place and they were distressed. They went and reported to the master everything that happened. And he summoned him and he said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt. Because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that it was owed. He says, so also my heavenly father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. He tells a story about a man that was forgiven a lot but was unwilling to forgive. Listen, we may despise cancel culture, but we're oftentimes participants in it. We cancel people all the time. Some of you moms are still upset at a girl who said something ugly about your daughter eight years ago. Some of you are still holding a grudge against a neighbor who, you know, mowed his grass over on, blew his leaves over into your yard back in the fall. Some of you are, are still not speaking to a family member over a disagreement that happened years ago. Some of you are still upset about something that happened at church a long time ago. And is that really how followers of Jesus are supposed to live? We need to act right. We need to talk. We need to work it out. We need to confess wrongdoing. We need to forgive one another. And then we need to move on. Because what matters is faith working through love. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32, Paul says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you. In Christ. Who do you think you are holding someone else's certificate of debt when God has nailed your debt to the cross? And so instead of canceling someone because something they did years ago, forgive them. Instead of canceling someone because they made a dumb comment on social media, forgive them. 
instead of canceling someone because they said something hurtful about you, forgive them. And you may say, well, that, that sounds really hard, preacher. I say it sounds a lot like being a Christian. I say it sounds a lot like what Jesus did for us. And we're not part of the cancel culture. We're part of the redemption culture. And the freedom of the gospel is that we can have a canceled debt. And so as we move into a time to respond to the word of God today, I want you Christians to examine your heart, to look down inside and say, am I canceling people? Am I holding on to things and am I unwilling to forgive? Do I need to model forgiveness and redemption? And so maybe during this time of response, we're going to be standing and singing together. You might want to come to this front, to this altar, and pray to God and give some things up. There might be somebody in this room that you need to go to and make things right. You might need to get on the phone and call somebody and say, let's get this right. But don't walk out of here hearing this word and acting like it wasn't for you. This is time for us to show the gospel freedom that we have that comes in Christ Jesus. There may be others here today who need to trust in this gospel. And as I said, with each and every person here, if we look back deep, deep enough in our lives and look back far enough in our lives, there's dirt that all of us have. And the Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so that means you and 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 me. All of us. And so all of us are condemned because of our sin. But all of us can have redemption through faith in Jesus. Because Jesus came to the earth. He lived a life of perfection, a life without any sin. And he substituted himself on the cross for you and you and you and you and you and you and me. And he paid the debt that we owed on the cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day so that we could have life, that we could have forgiveness, that we could have freedom. And today that can be true in your heart if you'll turn from your sin and call on Jesus today as your Savior. And so I want to encourage you, if that's a decision that you need to make, to come and to speak with one of these leaders that will be across the front during this time of invitation. There might be others this morning that God's calling to become part of this church family, and it might be the first time you've ever been here. You might have been coming here for a long time. But today God is saying, this is the place where I want you to belong. This is the place where I want you to have fellowship and to have accountability and to grow and to serve together. Then I want to encourage you to come and to make that decision today. But however God is speaking to your heart, now's the time for us to be doers of this word and not just hearers only. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, we thank you for your word. God, we're thankful for the freedom that we have in Christ. We're thankful for the forgiveness that we have in Jesus. Lord, that we're not canceled forever, but Lord, that we can have redemption because of Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray today that we would be those who receive forgiveness, those who extend forgiveness. God, for those this morning that, that need to receive this forgiveness in their heart, 
and to put their faith in Jesus as their Savior, I pray that they would come. Lord, for those in this room who need to extend forgiveness to others, I pray, Lord, that we would not be like this unforgiving servant who's received so much but is unwilling to forgive others. So, God, may we model what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.